you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode, of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com, kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. Well, let's talk about Thanksgiving and travel. The TSA expecting air travel to return uh, to near pre-pandemic levels. Um, I don't know how that's going to be with airport staffing and airline uh, flight scheduling, but what's your thought about the potential risk of of COVID spread uh, with airline travel? I mean, I think it's very real. um, And it all depends on people's vaccination status, of course. We know that the cases have plateaued in the U.S. and are rising in some states like Vermont and Minnesota and Michigan. Colorado. So I think depending on where you go, uh, we're seeing a lot of flux right now. Mm. And you're right. If there are, you know, 60 percent of TSA workers are vaccinated, um, that means that a lot of people will be called out. And with lower numbers of staffing in the airports, you're going to see a lot of lines and crowding. So all of this makes me just a little bit nervous. But if you're vaccinated and you're boosted, you're going to feel a little bit more confident. Do you, do you get a sense that there has been an uptick in the pace of people getting boosters in preparation for holiday gatherings? There has definitely been an uptick in the last few days. I've had numerous people call me to say, you know, hey, a week ago when I tried, there were like a zillion appointments available at CVS and Walgreens. Now I can't get it because I think people are preparing for Thanksgiving travel in terms of thinking about their booster shots. Hey, uh, this is totally unrelated to COVID question. I saw in the Wall Street Journal today that CVS is looking at closing about 10% of its pharmacies, its drugstores, and uh, increasing the medical services provided at the pharmacies that it's keeping open. I know they have the Minute Clinic and things like that. Do you, mm-hmm. do you have a general, uh, what are your thoughts about drugstores moving in that direction? I mean, I think it's responding to what people's needs are, and I'm all for it. I mean, I think the Minute Clinic model has really um, been uh, great for uh, improving access to a lot of people, improving vaccinations, and we've seen it happen during COVID. And I think uh, it is the, the right move for a lot of people because, again, you don't want to have I think a lot of people are intimidated by the idea of going into sort of like starchy health system. And if it seems more accessible and you can buy a teddy bear or chocolate at the same time, <laughs> I feel it's just a little bit more, you know, incentive. That's funny. I hadn't thought of that. But, yeah, that's that's so true. And and it's, you know, if it's in your neighborhood, there's there's kind of that comfort level that that uh, accompanies that. 
Yes, exactly. You develop a relationship with your neighborhood pharmacist and um, it becomes very personal. And I think that's what people lose in the sort of like uh, commodity that uh, medical delivery has become in the United States. And this maybe recaptures a little bit of that. Chance for you to ask questions of Dr. Peter Chin Hong, infectious disease specialist, professor of medicine, UC San Francisco Medical Center. We're at 866-893-KPCC. You can email us at atcomments at kpcc.org. Please include your location as well as your first name. Jude in Laurel Canyon uh, emailed us, my mom's senior living facility is having an indoor brunch for residents and families. All must be vaccinated and show proof of such, but I still have concerns. I'm thinking maybe I won't eat or take off my mask. I've had a booster. I'm fully vaccinated. What do you think? I think if Jude has had a booster, if many of the residents in the nursing home or the long-term care facilities had have had boosters, uh, it should be a pretty safe environment. When I think about this year compared to last year, we're so we're such in a different place right now. I mean, last year the the advice was essentially don't travel unless you have to. This year it means different things to different people, or don't visit if you don't have to. It means different things to different people, and I think um, you know unless in, in the only group I'm worried about, apart from unvaccinated are people who are immune compromised because you're not really sure what uh, immune response you've had, but in general. If everybody else is, you will be protected. All right. And are we seeing, I know it's really early, but are we seeing many breakthrough cases of people who've had um, vaccine boosting? I know we haven't really seen so far anecdotally. We haven't seen any good data yet collectively, except that, yeah, in Israel, there's efficacy data around the boosted population versus the unboosted. And uh, turns out that it protects, uh, you have like a, a very low breakthrough of hospitalizations in that older age group. Um, in the U.S., we don't have that data yet, and we haven't seen many cases. I haven't seen a single case of somebody who's come through the hospital who's been boosted and they still come into the hospital. And, you know, this isn't medical advice, but I, I just want to respond to Jude as well. And, you know, as we've talked, Dr. Chin Hong, a lot of this is managing risk. And what is the risk reward? And and um, and you mentioned someone being immunocompromised. Obviously, you're taking on a greater risk if you do things. And it's so critical you take that into, into account. But Jude is, you know, this is a, a brunch that, you know, her mom and fellow residents are going to be at. It's hard for me, you know, if, if I were in her position, not to take into account the benefits from being in that social setting with her mother. Exactly. I mean, I think that the rare chance, I mean, and Jude is boosted already, which is amazing. So I would be shocked if Jude would even get a breakthrough infection. And even if the breakthrough infection occurred, say Jude was unboosted, uh, if Jude was under 65, uh, generally wouldn't have any uh, negative consequences apart from being uh, more like a cold or allergies. So I think you're right, Larry. So much of what all of this discussion is, is really recapturing many of those human connections that we've lost. And I think that's why Thanksgiving and holiday travel is expected to be number two right after 2019, which, you know, seems really 
amazing and shocking at the same time. Yeah, it sure it sure does. Yeah, and again, everybody has to individually make this this decision, and I think that's the challenge because there are going to be pressures socially too. If you don't feel comfortable going into a certain social environment, there may be those who would question that or or be critical or or think you know you're 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 being overly cautious and you know it's just challenging because of course each of us have to make our own decisions about that and and then deal with whatever the the repercussions are raymond in south pasadena emailed us i have an eight-year-old daughter who got her first dose of covid vaccine recently in the uk kids from 12 to 17 are suggested to get only one dose of pfizer and it's one-third the dose used originally due to a concern about a rare uh, uh, effect on the heart. I wonder what the chance of myocarditis is in kids of 5'11 age group with a second dose. That's a great question from Raymond and a question I've thought a lot about in the last few weeks or days. Um, So first of all, myocarditis is rare as a result of getting an mRNA vaccine. But the interesting thing is it really peaks in adolescents and adolescent males particularly. So the peak is above age 16. It's still not very common. Everybody pretty much recovers in a few days. Um, And the risk is higher with myocarditis if you have COVID. But turns out it's in that age group because it's linked to puberty and testosterone. So if you are an eight-year-old girl, the chances of getting myocarditis from one-third the dose uh, is generally going to be almost zero. Okay. So it sounds like you you would recommend she get the second vaccination yes. of Pfizer. Yes. Okay. 866-893-KPECC. You can email us at atcomments at kpcc.org. And I remind you, we have a brand new podcast featuring our medical expert every day. It's just the uh, COVID segment of AirTalk. It's titled COVID in LA. You can subscribe to it. So it's there for you every day, wherever you get your audio. It's also available at kpcc.org. So if you miss the live broadcast with Dr. Peter Chen Hong or any of our other terrific medical experts, you can hear that as a podcast whenever it's convenient for you. Uh, Just pick that up wherever you get your audio. But you can join us now if you're listening live at 866-893-KPCC. Dr. Chen Hong, do you have any specific advice for when we're in airports standing in those lines, lining up at the gate, going through TSA, what are some things, even if fully vaccinated and boosted, you'd recommend we do? I mean, I think that, you know, we've focused a lot on COVID and we can talk about COVID, which is, uh, you know, wearing a mask is probably the easiest thing. Seems easy to say, not hard, harder sometimes to feel comfortable keeping it on, if you, especially if you're crowded and hot and sweaty. But the other things that we've de-emphasized for COVID, like surfaces, I would pay a lot of attention to them during the winter because surfaces are the way we get lots of colds and um, other respiratory infections. So hand sanitizing is kind of like a great idea around this time as well. So definitely take that up on it. And then the other points of, of worry already when people congregate and feel less inhibited, so food courts and around the gate when you have a little bit more emotion. But in the plane, it's very controlled and 
good ventilation. Don't worry about it too much. All right. Uh, the LA Unified School District is coming up on its deadline for students 12 years of age and older to have their first shot of COVID-19 vaccine. About 72% of LAUSD uh, students are believed to be in compliance. Uh, the Board of Education has authorized $5 million for prizes and treats as incentives. They include gift cards to Amazon and Target, tickets to see Hamilton at the Pantages, and even bringing food trucks onto campus. This goes so far beyond what, when I was a kid, we had, had newspaper drives and the, the class that had the most newspapers recycled got ice cream. This, is, this goes way beyond that, Dr. Chinong. Do you think these incentives bear fruit? Well, it's very controversial. At the So there's a literature of incentives and vaccinations. And at the minimum, it probably gives you about a 10 to 15% boost above your baseline. So not, you know, huge. And we have some recent re- evidence in looking at, I think, 11 to 13 states that did lotteries, that the lotteries didn't really seem to do much when you look at the aggregate data. But if incentives work, they are like, you know, you're going to get it like cash or a ticket or a gift card. But if you're putting it into a lottery or a raffle, I'm not sure if that the evidence supports that. So some states, uh, I think, are actually giving hardcore visa cards and cash to, to kids, which I think is really interesting um, as another um, uh, method people are using. At the end of the day, they probably don't do as well as mandates, but it's kind of nice to have these soft soft um, carrots uh, before we uh, have to move on to other ways of getting people vaccinated. We're talking with Dr. Peter Chin Hong, UC San Francisco Medical Center Professor of Medicine and Infectious Disease Specialist. Uh, Marion in Laguna Beach says we're having an indoor Thanksgiving get-together with seven people, all fully vaccinated. Would you recommend testing on top of that? That's a great question from Marianne. Um, I think that if all seven people are vaccinated and um, they generally have, you know, decent uh, COVID IQ, meaning they, they're not doing a lot of uh, risky behaviors, et cetera. You don't need to do additional testing, but if there is uh, some concern that maybe one or two of them are immune compromised or elderly and are unboosted, then you might do it just to make everyone feel better. I've seen that, um, practice of rapid testing with family reunions uh, have much more, um, um, they're much more common these days. So, but it's, you know, it's not mandatory, but I think sometimes people feel a lot better. As the amount of the virus in the community goes down, you can get more false positives. But right now we have enough circulating so that if it's positive on a rapid test, it's probably true. You might want to repeat it with a PCR test if if you're not really sure. Let's see, we have, uh, and Marion have a wonderful Thanksgiving get-together. Christine in Culver City says, I'm fully vaccinated with Moderna, but I've had uh, open-heart surgery. Sorry, I just lost her comment. I've had open-heart surgery and am being told to avoid getting the Moderna booster because of a risk of myocarditis and that I should take the Pfizer booster instead. Do you think that's sound advice? Um. I don't think it matters for Christine whether or not she gets the Moderna half-dose booster or the full-dose Pfizer booster. 
And that's because her risk of myocarditis, even with open heart surgery coming up, is very, very small based on even the earlier question um, that we had with uh, Raymond. But, you know, because again, myocarditis from a vaccine is really linked to puberty. And when you look at where it's happening, it's really in young men under the age of 30, particularly between the ages of 16 and 18, and not even in uh, women and not in the older groups as much. So that's kind of where we are. And the reason why I'm a little bit more in Moderna than Pfizer in the original experience is probably because the dose in the original Moderna was higher and, and it was then therefore seen more in the younger men versus younger men in Pfizer. Another one of our Northern California listeners, Alvin, is in Windsor, just north of Santa Rosa. My wife's vaccinated and contracted COVID. She was sick for a couple of weeks. She's fine now, but she doesn't think she needs to get her booster shot. I I still think she should. What does Dr. Chin Hong advise on whether she's okay uh, from having had COVID or should or getting the booster? Well, that's a that's a great uh, question. I would say that. Um, most people think of that as something called hybrid immunity, vaccine plus natural immunity together, and that's actually the best immunity. But the point is, many people who get sick, there's a range of how many antibodies you respond to. So I agree with Larry, if you really want to be 100% sure that you're getting the real deal, um, standardized, waking up your immune system, then the booster is the best thing. But if you you know, you're okay with a moderate level of reassurance. I think thinking of natural infection after a full dose of of vaccines would kind of get you there. Rebecca in Claremont, you're on Air Talk with Dr. Chin Hong. Hi, yeah. I wanted to know about traveling with uh, kids under the age of five who can't be vaccinated. Uh, There was some time where there wasn't a whole lot of concern about little kids getting sick or the severity of their symptoms. Uh, what's the what's the latest with traveling with little kids who can't get vaccinated? That's a great question from Rebecca. So a lot of the pandemic, we were de-emphasizing kids of any age getting COVID. But there's been several things that happened since then, which is Delta, essentially. And in some of the recent studies, even though kids don't get very sick themselves, because we dote over them, particularly in the five and under, they definitely can get infected. And then the the source of transmissions within the household unit much more efficiently than the teen who's probably locked away in the room. So that's kind of where we are. So kids are definitely getting more infected. Uh, In fact, it's the, you know, in the Delta era, it's top 10 causes of pediatric deaths, even though it's small in small numbers. Um, So it's not something to dismiss but if you're very careful i still think and you have to travel for family reasons again it's not a absolute no but you kind of just always put the risk and benefit like larry talked about uh, i i always get a little uneasy when we talk about you know childhood deaths because they are so rare overall and i know you you made that caveat that even if something is a leading cause of of children's deaths children's deaths are are at such a low level that we're not talking about in actual numbers, large numbers of deaths, thankfully. Yeah. So in kids, when I say the top 10, it's just, it's a hundred, which is a big deal for yeah, kid terrible. numbers, but not big in the 
big sense of, you know, deaths in the U.S. Yeah. Rebecca, thank you so much and have wonderful travels with uh, your younger kids. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Steve uh, who tweeted at AirTalk. Will the state ever go back to the uh, regional color coded system for what's safe based more on hospitalization and maybe local surveillance testing? I think a simple system like that was very helpful. That's a great question from Steve. I think we may end up uh, temporarily going into some other measures that may be more helpful uh, during periods of surge. Um, I think the one of the good things we had last winter, I think, which is a practical measure, which was hospital capacity. Because at the end of the day, I think we're going to move away from just checking number of people who get infected. Because, you know, if that infection becomes like a cold or like allergies, it's probably less meaningful than somebody getting into the hospital. So I think that that kind of metric is probably going to be more meaningful to our society. Uh, Canon Rancho Mission Viejo emailed us. I have a friend who says he never had a COVID infection, yet he has symptoms of long COVID. Is that possible? Um, I It's possible that the original infection was missed, but you can try to look that up by doing an antibody test in the nuclear capsid, not the antibody test to see if you got a vaccine. If that's negative, I'd be very suspicious that it was actually COVID. Remember the reason you get long, the symptoms of long COVID is not just unique to SARS-CoV-2. Lots of other infections can give you that as well. Dr. Chen Ong, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. And you did wonderfully following on your wife's lead in the first hour as she was our guest on Air Talk. So many great questions we didn't have a chance to. We'll continue those tomorrow with Huntington Hospital Infectious Disease Specialist, Dr. Kimberly Schreiner. Dr. Chen Hong, as always, thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll look forward to talking with you again soon. You too, Larry. Always such a joy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in LA. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at las.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.